Good morning. I, uh, I turned to Paul just then and I asked if he could play an instrument because I can't. I haven't learned and I, I need to learn how to play an instrument so I can do a special item like that. It's beautiful. So you are the faithful who were brave enough to face this piercing cold wind this morning. So congratulations. I'm glad you're here. Welcome. If, uh, if you're here for the first time, well, we're glad you're here. We're glad that you've chosen to worship with us. You're here for a very special service, as, as has been mentioned. Today is a communion service. And uh, if this is the first time that you will partake in the communion service, we're glad that you uh, are here. You will learn more um, about this, so we'll explain to you what it means and what it represents, and uh, you're welcome to join in the communion service with us. If you are a returning guest if you've, uh, or visitor, if you've been coming uh, two or three or four or five weeks in a row, um, we're glad that you have chosen to join us again today. So it's really lovely to see you. And um, our regulars, it's always good to see you. We love you and we're glad you're here. Hey, let's take a moment to pray and let's open up the Word of God. Father, I want to thank you this morning that we can come together. We can open up your Word in this country in freedom. As we do so, we ask that your spirit will be present as you have promised. Lift our hearts and our thoughts heavenward. And thank you for all that we've experienced this morning in the worship, in the singing, in the giving, in the serving. And Lord, bless us now, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So today I want to share with you five lessons uh, from the communion service or the Lord's Supper. This is a service that the Christian church has continued for almost 2,000 years. It was established by Jesus, and he asked his followers, his disciples, to continue this service through all ages and through all time. And so we're continuing in uh, that, we're following his command, where we will partake of this really special, really beautiful service that I believe is rich with meaning. And I believe Jesus gave us this service, this uh, communion service or the Lord's Supper for a reason. There's a lot of things we can learn uh, and get out of this service. And as I said, I want to share five reasons, five lessons that I believe uh, Jesus gave us this service and asked us to take part in this service. And the first one is, as we think about the Lord's Supper, the first lesson I think Jesus wants us to learn, or the first reason I believe Jesus gave us this service, is because the Lord's Supper points backward to what Jesus has accomplished for us on the cross. So the first lesson I think Jesus wants us to learn or to grasp is that the Lord's Supper points backward, okay? It points back to what He has done. It's 1 Corinthians, if you have a Bible, open up in 1 Corinthians and chapter 11. Now, I might go through some of these verses very quickly, uh, only because of the, the shortness of time. 
Uh, but if you have a Bible, follow with me, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. Just um, ask the person beside you if they would be willing to share with you, and I'm sure they will. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and starting in verse 23. And we're going to be reading through to verse 25. So the first thing is, the Lord's Supper points backward to what Jesus accomplished for us on the cross. And it says there, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is, is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So Jesus established his service and he said, I want you to take part in this service. And when you do it, when you take part of this bread and when you take part of this juice, I want you to do it in remembrance of me. I want you to remember what I have done. So as we partake of this service, it's a time for us to look back and remember what Jesus has accomplished for us. The bread and the juice are symbols of Jesus' body and his blood. They're symbols. And as a memorial of his sacrifice, we are reminded that our faith and our salvation is built upon what Jesus has done for us. We are reminded of the high cost of our salvation. Jesus' life that was given for you and for me. That's what these symbols represent. They point back to his sacrifice on our behalf, his body that was broken, his blood that was spilt. If we read on in 1 Corinthians there, um, and in verse 26, the next verse, it says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. You proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. So again, it's a reminder, it's a proclamation of what he has done, his death. It's pointing us back to what Jesus has accomplished. That word, by the way, um, proclaim, means to report, to tell with conviction, or to explain. So, so as we partake of this service, we are, we are reporting, we are telling with conviction, we are explaining, we are proclaiming to the world. We are sharing that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world because of what he did. That's what we're doing when we partake of this service. That's why he asked us to, to, to eat this bread and to drink this juice. And because of what Jesus has done, we have forgiveness, we have hope, we have eternal life. That's beautiful, isn't it? So as we take part of this service, the first lesson I think that Jesus wanted us to grasp when he gave us this service was that it's to be a reminder of what he has done. So we're to look backward. The second thing, the second lesson, is that the Lord's Supper points forward. It points forward 
to a time when we will partake of this meal together with each other and Jesus in heaven. We read, we just read there in uh, 1 Corinthians uh, eleven twenty six. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. And the next three words are, till he comes. And in Matthew 26, verse 29, uh, Jesus said, But I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now on until that day, when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. So what Jesus is saying, I'm waiting till I'm with you. I'm not going to partake of this. I'm going to wait till I'm with you. So when we partake of this service, we are looking forward to that time when we will be with Jesus in heaven. I remember a few years ago, many, many years ago, uh, my pastor had invited me to his house for lunch. And uh, on the way to his house, uh, my my family, we got stuck in a traffic jam. There was some major roadworks because uh, we had to go to a different direction to everyone else to get to his house. And uh, we got stuck in some roadworks. So I rang him and I said, Pastor, we're going to be late. We are going to be very, very late. So just start lunch and we'll get there. And he said, no, we are going to wait for you. I said, Pastor, we, we're stuck in a traffic jam and uh, you really should start. And he said, no, no, we will wait. And we were very late. And when we got there, I remember there were some people giving us some dirty looks. Because <laughs> they were hungry and they had to wait. Um, but he waited. He waited till we arrived and we all ate together. And it was a really beautiful meal. He, Jesus is saying... I'm not going to partake of this meal anymore. I'm waiting till we are together. And when we're together, I'm going to partake of this meal with you. So as we partake of this Lord's Supper, what we are also saying is Jesus will return. That's what we're proclaiming. We will be with him for eternity. When we come to the Lord's table, we are testifying that one day we will be caught up together in the air by the Lord. Isn't that good news? That's what we're saying. We're saying that the Christ who was born at Bethlehem, the Christ who was crucified on the cross, the Christ who arose from the grave, the Christ who we have fellowship with today, this Christ is coming and he will make all things right and he will take us home. That's what we're saying. And we can look forward with confidence to partaking of this service to that new day but we could also look forward to each new day with conviction that our future is secure with him whether we live or die every day we can wake up and face a new day with confidence because we know we have a promise that there is a savior who will return As we partake of this meal, that's what we're proclaiming. We're looking forward to that day. The third lesson that I think Jesus, the reason Jesus gave us this special service, is that the Lord's Supper points upwards. It points upwards to Jesus as our high priest. See, we are declaring, 
when we partake of this service, we are declaring that the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus is efficacious. That is, that it is powerful. And that now he stands in our place in heaven, in heaven, sending the Holy Spirit to empower, to lead, to bless us, to change and transform us as we proclaim his goodness throughout the world. So we look up with conviction and joy, knowing that our Savior lives and he intercedes on our behalf if we fall and if we sin. Forgiveness and grace is available for all who want it. In Hebrews chapter 4, you can turn with me there, Hebrews chapter 4 uh, starting in verse um, 14. This is one of my most favorite passages in scripture Hebrews chapter 4 starting in verse 14 and that's towards the end of the Bible uh, just before the end uh, before revelation Hebrews chapter 4 starting in verse 14 going through to verse 16 it says there so then since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven Jesus the son of God let us hold firmly to what we believe This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly or confidently to the throne of of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. And in Hebrews chapter 7, just a few chapters over in verse 25, it says, Therefore he, Jesus is able once and forever to save those who come to God through him, verse 25. He lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf. He is the kind of high priest we need because he is holy and blameless, unstained by sin. So Jesus gave us this service because it wants, he wants us to look up to him as our great high priest, interceding on our behalf right now. And we are able to come to him where we find forgiveness and grace and mercy. And I'm reminded of the beautiful promise in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, in which he says, He who has begun a good work in you will complete it. That's what we're saying as we partake of this. We're saying that Jesus is working in me and he's changing me, he's transforming me. He's my high priest. And even though I may fall, I may fail, I may sin, I can come to him for forgiveness. Number four. The fourth lesson, I believe, that the Lord's Supper teaches us that Jesus wanted us to get out of this is that the Lord's Supper points inward. It points inward. It points inward as it's an important time, it's an important time of self-examination. This is an occasion for each of us individually, but I also believe corporately, but first individually, to look at one's heart, to look inwardly at one's heart, and hold oneself personally accountable before God and others. When Jesus 
established the Lord's Supper there on the um, the Thursday night, the last meal that he had with his disciples. It was done in the context of betrayal and denial. His own disciple Judas betrayed him and Peter denied him. And this enough should be a, a warning and a sober reminder for all of us to, ca- to take heed lest we too fall. Back in 1 Corinthians, if you go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and starting in verse 27 through to 29, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting in verse 27, we are told, Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. So this service, communion service, requires serious self-examination. That's self-examination. We're to examine ourselves, not anybody else. Ourselves. Communion forces us to be real with God. It is in this self-examination that we actually realize that none of us are worthy to take part of the communion. We are all sinners. None of us are perfect. But we are sinners saved by grace. And because of that, because of that grace that is shown to us, we are now part of God's body, the church. And we partake of this service, proclaiming all of these beautiful lessons. So let's recap before I get to number five. Number one. The Lord's Supper, the communion service, teaches us to look backwards. Yeah, it's a reminder of what Jesus has done, his, his death and on our behalf, his resurrection. So it's a reminder, if we look backwards. Number two, the Lord's Supper teaches us to look forward. Yeah, look forward to that time when we will be with Jesus. It's a time where we are proclaiming that Jesus will return. So it causes us to look forward. That's the second lesson I think Jesus wants us to learn from this. Number three, the Lord's Supper teaches us to look upward. Look upwards to Jesus as our high priest. Even though we may fail, we may fall, we have someone who is there interceding on our behalf. Number four, the Lord's Supper teaches us to look inward at ourselves, to do those serious Um, self-examination, to ask those hard questions at the end of the day, to say, what were my motives? Why did I do this? Did I speak harshly with my partner? Was I rude with my children? Did I cheat someone? Did I do the right thing at work or at school? causes us to look inward. 
And finally, I think the fifth reason that Jesus gave us the communion service and the fifth lesson that he wants us to get is that the Lord's Supper points outward. It points outward to the people around us. It points outward to the people around us. This service reminds us of the corporate nature of the church and of our need of each other. We need each other. You know, John's account includes the story of of Jesus doing the work of a slave and washing the disciples' feet. A powerful reminder that we are to serve each other. We're to serve for each other. Serve each other and care for each other. In 1 Corinthians here, go back to verse 20. It says this, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 20 Um, Paul wrote, when you come together, it it is not the Lord's uh, Supper you eat, for as you eat, each of you goes ahead without waiting for anybody else. One remains hungry, another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you for this? Certainly not. In in the Corinthian culture, let me explain a little what's going on here. In the Corinthian culture, it was common practice to show favoritism at mealtimes. And so those who were higher on the social or the economic ladder got to go first. And oftentimes, they would leave nothing for those who weren't rich or prestigious. And the Christian church at Corinth had allowed this practice to creep into the church. Those who had a lot were jumping ahead of those who had little. And Paul encourages them in verse 33. He says, so then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for each other. He instructed them to wait for each other. To serve each other. And the reason being is when it comes to the Lord's Supper, we're all on the same level. Social and economic distinctions disappear. Our spiritual uh, inferiority complexes disappear. Jesus died for each one of us because we are all sinners who are hopelessly lost except for the grace of God. And that's what we remember at the Lord's Supper. Here, when we partake of this service, a brand new Christian, someone new to the faith, and someone who has been a believer for 50 years or on their whole life, we are all on the same level. We're all on the same level here. It doesn't matter. It's level ground at the foot of the cross. In fact, in the church, we're all equal. We may have different roles. I'm the pastor. You may be an elder. You may be a deacon. You may serve on the welcome team or in Sabbath school. Um, You may have many roles or no roles. We have different roles. But we're all equal. No one's better than anyone else here. But not only does it point outward to the people 
in this community, in our church community, in our church family, the Lord's Supper also points further outward to the people in the community around us who don't know Jesus yet. Paul said, as we read earlier, when we partake of this service, we proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. The world is dying without the message of the good news that Jesus has provided salvation from sin through his life, his death, his resurrection, his intercession, and his soon coming. The people of Kurumbong, the people of this community, need to know that God loves them, that He is their Savior, and that He is coming soon, that His grace is available for all, that forgiveness is freely extended to all, that eternal life is a gift that Jesus desires to give to all who love Him. The world needs to know that. The people of Kurumbong and Morissette, Freeman's Waterhole, and all of these suburbs all around here need to know that Jesus loves them. As we partake of this service, we are renewed individually and corporately to walk with a risen Savior in this world, proclaiming that He is worthy. This service causes us to look outward to the people all around us that Jesus has given us care over. The people we are responsible for. So this service is rich with meaning, isn't it? There's many lessons and there's probably so many more that you could get out of it that Jesus, for why Jesus gave us this service. It was on a Thursday night. It was on a Thursday night, almost 2,000 years ago, at the celebration of the Passover meal with his disciples, that Jesus established the Lord's Supper. It was the last meal that Jesus ate with his disciples before his arrest, his mockery of a trial, and his crucifixion. The Passover meal was a time of celebration, a time where they were reminded that they were once slaves in Egypt, in bondage to the Pharaoh, but had been set free by the mighty hand of God. And Jesus there established on that evening a new ceremony, a ceremony that symbolizes a deliverance far greater than the one in Egypt. A ceremony that symbolizes freedom from the penalty, the power, and one day the very presence of sin. Here at Avondale Memorial Church, we practice the ordinance of foot washing according to the command of Jesus in John 13 verses 12 to 17. He said there, it says there, so when he had washed their feet, taken his garments and sat down again, he said to them, Do you know what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord and you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them.
the Lord's Supper, or the communion service, is not exclusive to Seventh-day Adventists. This service is open to all believers who have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour. And we'd like to invite you to join us as we partake of this service. We will begin, as I said, with the ordinance of foot washing. We have three rooms. Uh, you can choose to go to one of three. They're uh, underneath the church, underneath the stairs. If you exit the building, and uh, you can go through this door and turn to the left is the... Uh, women, it's the, in the function center, and the uh, women will be in there. Is that correct? The women are in the function center. Um, if you exit this door and head to the, the two corner rooms, the room on the right-hand side, which is the choir room, is where couples will go and wash each other's feet, and the one beside it, which is one of the seminar rooms, the room on the left, is where the men will be washing each other's feet. So if you're with your partner... You're welcome to join them and wash each other's feet in the choir room. If you're a male and you're alone uh, or you want to wash another man's feet, you can go into that corner room and the ladies can go under the church into the function center and you can wash each other's feet there. Uh, while that is happening, there will also be a children's story here in the church for uh, the very young um, who may not understand what this service really represents yet. And so your children can stay here. We have a children's story for them. But for those who are older, those who understand, and those who would like to partake, we want to invite you to join us as we wash each other's feet. Um, find a partner, or there will be someone down there that will help, will be happy to join you and wash your feet. And um, we will meet back here once that is done and we will partake of the bread and the juice. So God bless you. We'll see you soon.